Welcome to our weekly shir. Yes, it's a Wednesday night shir, but it's Wednesday morning. We're pre-recording the shir today due to activities that we have tonight, Mitz Hashem. How about they know the Teva? Shir, as we've been doing weekly over the last weeks, <coughs> I'm sorry, is the Le'ilu Nishmas Aaron Baruch ben Chana, ben Yudah, whose Shleishim was just this past Sunday, and Amelia Basara, whose Shleishim was last week. May the Nishamas have an Aliyah and call Yisrael Yeshua. And all those that need Erefuah. The Shabbos, Pash B'Shalach. Erev Shabbos, which of course as we know, a Terech Be'erev Shabbos, Nechel Shabbos. person that prepares on Erev Shabbos, eats on Shabbos. This Erev Shabbos is 68 years from Yud Shvat. Yud Shvat marks the passing of the Friedrich Rebbe, previous Rebbe, and the Nesias of the Rebbe, the Kabbalah's Nesias of the Rebbe. The Rebbe actually accepted Nesias a year later, but the Rebbe throughout the course of the year <coughs> sorry, saw people, advised people, counseled people, and even fabrenged. But Kabbalah's and the Sea is saying of Maimah, Chazalah's of Maimah was actually on the Yudshvat of Yudalaf. But this is 68 years since Yudshvat, Tavshin Yud. 68, as we all know, is the Gematria, the word Chaim. Chaim Kulchem Hayim. We all live today. The idea of Chaim, life, is extremely important. Chaim Ches Yud Yud Mem that I've explained when two Yud come together when two Jews stay together and work together it becomes the other two letters Acham which is warm and this is the warmth of Kal Yisrael of one Jew with another which we're going to discuss in Yetz Hashem the concept of warmth and cold this week's Pasha, Pasha B'Shalach. Yud Shvat is a day which we need to take on Hachlotas Teves, of course. We need to take on new good resolutions. How we're going to devote and dedicate ourselves and our lives and our ways to the teachings of the Rebbe and to the Rebbe himself to build our Iskashus to the Rebbe Also, tonight, which would be regular sheer Wednesday night, is my own personal special milestone. Baruch Hashem, which I achieved, which I achieved, which 
or more like survived 60 years of serving Hashem. And I'd like to, of course, wish myself all the blessings that one would wish of at least another 60, 120 years. Nothing when we're living for 180, getting to see the children, grandchildren, grandchildren married. But 60 is a unique milestone. The standard text of Pirkei says, Shishim Lezikno. Suggestity. Sages associate the term Zakein with the phrase Zeshekona Chochma. Person who acquires wisdom. Wisdom is not merely the result of accumulated information. Wisdom is actually characterized by the ability to focus on the unifying element behind all information. This is the standard text of Pirkei Zikna. The Arizal, Achai, follows a different text of the Mishnah. Ben Shishim, he says, Leseva, old age. One of my children said, don't tell him what 60 is about because he'll start acting like an old man right away. He does not, however, interpret old age as a negative quality. It offers rather a non-literal interpretation of the verse. Mipnei seva takum. Rise before a person has reached old age. Explaining that reaching an old age, per se, calls out, it summons the inner resources that enable a person to rise accomplished purpose in his life. Many will tell you age is not determined by a birth certificate. Age is only a number. A a mere number. These concepts encourage us ultimately to alter our thinking process. about growing older. American society has adapted the concept of the person as they get older they are waning the physical power is failing and they look at the older person and they say is not as productive anymore. Some of, us, some of us actually encourage older people 
So look positively at the change. <laughs> You've earned the right to take it easy now. You deserve a rest. And some will actually put it bluntly and say, forget it, old man. You're not useful anymore. Move over, let others take your place. This horrific, horrific tendency push people into retirement. It affects the mentality of the person. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And many resign themselves to living less productive, meaningful lives. Taylor tells us now, Taylor has a whole different outlook to this. Marba Seva, Marba Chachma. The abundance of years will endow knowledge. And the sages actually explain that like a Torah scholar grows older, their understanding becomes, becomes more settled. And as a matter of fact, not only Torah scholars have that, but even people that are not so learned. They have more insight, more experience. And they're able to perceive things that the younger generation doesn't. The four species, the man being that one of thinker. And being that a man thinks his understanding increases with age. And therefore there's no reason his activity should decrease. Adraba, it should increase. A seasoned person has the ability to serve as a resource for others. Aiding them, guiding them, counseling them, they have a far more comprehensive influence than was possible back in their youth. And when their energies spent primarily on pursuit of development of their own. So therefore pushing an aged person aside causes great waste. Not only the person himself, but please those who look to displace him. They deprive themselves of the wisdom, the sheer energy of the younger man cannot compensate. In today's day and age, with technology, advances, communication has reduced the importance of actual physical exertion. So now more than ever, knowledge is so important, understanding power, economic and social growth. So in this era, those who have the qualities in abundance should be treasured, not pushed aside.
We need to focus on many different fundamental things. As we begin the Pasha, many times we've discussed Vayihi is a Sara. Not good times. Vahoya references Simcha for the good times. Case in hand. The Jews were leaving Egypt. What could be so bad? Why Vayihi B'Shalach Pari? Why was it a bad time that the Jews were leaving? And the Mepharshim explained to us, Vayihi was sad. Because after all was said and done, after all the miracles that transpired, the Jews only were leaving because B'Shalach Pare, Pare literally evicted them. And this is a sad moment, their lack of trust their lack of belief in God. We find the beginning of the Parsha, There was a promise made to Yosef HaTzadik that they would not leave his remains in Egypt rather when the Jews would leave Egypt they would take his remains with them and bury them in the Holy Land and therefore during the time that the Jews were in Egypt Yosef actually was put not in the ground in Egypt because they knew the ground would be punished with all the plagues but rather Yosef was placed in the water, in the Nilus, although the Nilus too was punished. But his ark, his, his coffin, casket, was sunken down below to the bottom. The blessing that Yosef receives is the that of an axe. Yaakov, his father, compares him to the ox, the firstborn from his own mother. And the Medish tells us, Mesha had a gold plate or whatever it might have been, and on it he wrote written the words, Aleishar, this Unfortunately, this plate, according to some opinions, caused much damage to the Jewish nation after, because it was not destroyed immediately. But he threw this into the water, (coughs) and the coffin rose up on its own. According to opinions, 
the Eir of Rav took this, and later, by the sin of the golden calf, threw this into the fire. And <coughs> bringing out a golden calf. Producing a golden calf. But, it's awkward. Why does the Terry use such a derogatory expression? Atzmois Yosef, the bones of Yosef. In essence, it was in an udder and it was in a coffin. Why does the Taylor not use the language, the for, the for, a more respectful language, saying he took the Aaron of Yosef? Yes, he was promised going to take my bones up. He says the word Atzmoisai. So in essence, yeah, he, they kept the promise, which was a commitment to him to take up Asmoisai, my bones. Yosef didn't use the Lushan, didn't use the expression then, bring up my coffin. But still in all, it's just derogatory to say bring up the bones rather than actually saying bring up the coffin. So therefore we must understand like everything else everything entailed is Lashon Heirah lesson. We need to understand what is the lesson to us that the Taylor is teaching us that they bring up the bones of Yasef rather than the Aron of Yasef. The word bones, atzmois, atzmois, coming from the word etzem, the bone. Etzem also means, of course, the essence. The essence of the person. The essence of Yosef Atzadik was taken up from Egypt to be taken to the Holy Land. Moshe took Yosef's essence. What is the essence of Yosef? What is being imply, implied here by the name? The name that was given by Rachel Imenu. The name that was given to this child, Yasef. Yasef, as we know, was a prophecy of, of Rachel. She says, Yosef Hashem Li Bein Acher. The Almighty will add to me another son. But not a son, a regular son. Ben Acher. A different type of son. And the reference that's being made here is the unfortunate son that is a little bit Acher. He's a little different than the rest of the Jewish children. 
Jewish children receive their title as B'nai Yisrael only when they enter the desert they leave Egypt at that point Kol B'nai Yisrael they reach the beginning of Bonim they reach the level of children to God as we know a father and a child never depart from one another. No matter how distant, no matter how far away one is from the other, they never depart. It always remains the son. Maishir Abeno in turn he took the school of Yosef in order to reach and to achieve the bringing closer the Ben Acher, the other son. And we see the same at the end of our Pasha. And we're going to discuss this a little later. The battle of Amalek. Amalek comes to Rafidim and he attacks the Necheshalim. Who are the Necheshalim, the weaker ones? Who are these? Necheshalim, these were the weaker ones that were lacking in Amunah, lacking in belief in Hashem. And therefore, they took themselves out of the of the clouds that the Almighty supplied them with protection. Amalek then came to attack them. However, Meshach Rabbeinu sends out Yeshua to battle against these against the Amalekites to fight Amalek to save these confused and weaker Jews. Why Yeshua? Granted, Yeshua was his disciple, his number one disciple at that, and ultimately, his successor. Why send him out to battle? Why send him out to war? Yeshua bin Nun came from Yosef from one of the children of Yosef, Ephraim. And therefore, as we know that it says, Beis Yaakov is Eish, the house of Yaakov is fire, Beis Yosef Lahava, Beis Yosef is the flame, or Beis Esav the Kash. And the house of Esav is straw. Amalek was from the descendants of Esav. Yeshua took God-fearing people with him to leave the protection of the clouds 
and to save and to bring back the Yehudim HaNechashalim, the weaker ones. And this is the Kerch of the Atzmis of Yosef, Atzmiusi of Yosef, his essence, his entire essence was to go out against the Amalekite, to go against the Esav. And this is our mission ultimately, how we go out for the Gula Shlema. And the schus of using the etzim of Yesef, the Atzmus Yesef, and we use it to serve God in every generation, and we don't compromise and we don't leave any Jew behind in the exile. Everyone goes. Everyone leaves. Kolam Yisrael Mamish. This teaches us, therefore, that even the Acher, the Ben Acher, becomes a Ben, is referred to as a Ben, and redeemed through Mashiach Tzitkenu. Yeah. Hello. She's teaching. Sorry. Can you take the phone from here, please? This is Pasha. The Jews leave Egypt mm-hmm. and they're going on a mission, on a journey to Martin Taylor. The Jews who are now suffering to the lowest of levels are now going out to, a re- to reach, achieve, ascertain the highest of levels. Where they're going to hear from God and receive from God Himself the Torah and the commandments. Obviously, in these 49 days, they needed to bring themselves up the 49 levels that they unfortunately had fallen into in Egypt. And Ruth tells us our Pasha, because next week's Pasha, Yisrael, is where they arrive, hopefully next week we'll discuss, Teda, etc., the nether, But in this week's Pasha, and Ruth leaving Egypt to getting to Har Sinai, Jews experience two wars. Not one, two. In our Pasha of 116 Psukim, whatever it is. But each war is approached differently. Each war the instructions from God to Moshe are total opposites. The first war is the 600 riders that followed, that came out with Parai, chasing the Jews and arriving ultimately at the Yamsuf. Arriving at the Red Sea 
not knowing what to do. But the Egyptians were at war. The Egyptians were launching, the Egyptians were looking for fight, looking to kill the Jews for leaving. And the second, as we spoke before, was the war with Amalek. When it comes to the battle with Parai, we see, <laughs> very interestingly to note, chapter 14, verse 14. I don't always do it, because it's not always so open and blatant, but we need sometimes to show how each word of the Torah is found. The actual chapters in Sukkim were not exactly what God wrote up, but how each and every one of them falls into place. 14 is Gematria Yad, hand. Of course, when we refer to the hand, we refer to the hand of God. Sayyod Hagidayla. In chapter 14, verse 14, God tells the Jews, Hashem Yilachem Lachem, the Atem Tacharishun. God will fight your battles and you stay silent. You remain quiet. You need to do nothing. This was in reference to the war against Pari and Mitzrayim. When it came, unfortunately, to the end of the parsha, and there the battle with Amalek ensues, HaKadosh Baruch says, Tzehi lochim ba'amalek. Go out and fight the Amalekites. <laughs> I guess I would take my own personal lesson from that. It's chapter 17, verse 9. And 17, as we know, is Gematria Toiv, which is good. And nine is the day of the month that I was born on. Where Hashem tells us to go out and battle Amalek. And we'll discuss now the differences of commands. Whether it be Hashem Yilachim Lachem Vatem Tachrishun. Is that Hashem's battle cry? Or is Hashem's battle cry say Yilachim Bamalik? Ultimately, these two battles, these two wars, were total different concepts. Pari, for example, and his army were a physical threat to the Jews. They wanted physically to kill the Jews. Amalek, in turn, was a spiritual threat to the Jews. So when it comes to a physical threat against a Jew, the Almighty says, don't even think about it. The only one that can fight this battle for you is God Himself. And we see 
time and time and time again in history. The Rabbim biyat ma'atim, the Tzmeim biyat tahirim, the Rishoyim biyat tzadikim. The few destroy the many. The weak destroy the strong, etc. As we find throughout time and history, the Jews have the amazing prowess, the amazing blessing from God to conquer and to overcome their enemy. In this case, the Jew needs to understand. Yes, that was a battle. Yes, you strategically did things. Yes, you had ammunition that was quite sufficient. No, you did not win the war on your own. And therefore the Almighty tells you, Va'atem tacharishun. Remain silent. It's not about you. It's all the work of Hashem. Where Hashem comes to bat for you. Or battle for you. The Jewish nation cannot Understand that human body, human mind doesn't understand the strength of a physical miracle. It's not commonplace. It's not the norm. And therefore... To say, my strength, my great hands, my skills accomplish this. Person needs to be a little more aware of what he's capable of and not. So, therefore, their victory. Overpowering is not something that brings about egotistical growth. Rather, the Almighty hints to the Jewish nation that this battle and any other battle, 67 War, Independence War, 48, Yom Kippur War, the Gulf War, etc., etc., etc. There's nothing for the Jew to call out and say, look what I did. The Jew should not get haughty over this. The Jew should understand that Baruch Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch is with him, and HaKadosh Baruch fights his battles. On the flip side, this is all reference to the physical battles. 
Let us look at these spiritual battles. The spiritual battles, those against Amalek, total different animal. When does Amalek attack? attack? Excuse me, as soon as the Jews cross the Yamsuf. And they were literally en route now to Harsinai to get to Tera. At this point, Amalek intervenes. At this point, Amalek comes and puts their ugly feet first to hold back the Jews from approaching Harsinai. And yet the Terah eloquently describes the mission of the Amalekite. Ashe Korcho Baderech. Korcho, a very interesting word of saying, met with you. They didn't happen to meet. Rather, Korcho comes from the word kar, cold. Amalek came to cool off the Jews in a time where they are the flame of all the nations. And they are now on fire and route to go get the Holy Torah. At this point in time, say he lochim ba Amalek, go out and fight this Amalek. Don't wait for the Amalek to approach you. Don't wait for the Amalek to even attack you. This Amalek that is coming to cool you off, God forbid. This Amalek that is coming, God forbid, to deprive you from a moment of study of Torah, practice of mitzvahs. This Amalek needs to be quashed. Needs to be put down. Needs to be quelled. Needs to be destroyed. not relying on miracles, but actually going out and facing it, head on, and going to war. When someone or something gets in our way of receiving Torah, of depriving us of the merit of learning Torah, and be Mikhaim mitzvahs, fulfilling commandments. The Almighty does not wait. The Almighty does not give an opportunity for those disturbing. We need to do whatever it takes. And this means battle, simple battle. This is the battle the Jews face with the Amalekites, with the children of Esau. So that we can learn Torah, increase our study of Torah, without any interference. We have a mitzvah. It's one of the mitzvahs haseim in Torah, mitzvahs haseim kuf peites, 189.
Tzivano says that Rambam Lizker is Lizker Maisei also Lono Amalek to remember what Amalek did to us each and every moment and to awaken ourselves within ourselves to help our soul battle and fight the evil inclination of Amalek And therefore it's prohibited for any compromise, any tests that we are confronted with of any which magnitude when it comes to service of God. This battle against Amalek is not just in the year 2448 when the Jews left Egypt. This battle is a perpetual battle. And it lives on within us as well. We need to battle and confront that Amalek that's within us. So that we are Mekayim, that we fulfill the mission of our Nefesh, the Nefesh of each and every Jew. He wanted to cool off Judaism wanted to extinguish, God forbid, the flame of, of holiness, of love of Hashem, which burns in the heart of each and every Jew. To this we must, re- we must remember, Ein Pshares, there are no compromise. We need to stand up against Amalek in the fullest form and fashion that we can to push him away physically so that we can involve ourselves fully in the flame in the in the fervor of serving Hashem We don't know our missions. The story is told by Hashem HaKadosh where one of his Talmidim had a very interesting chukka. He had a very interesting little flame burning within him. This flame wanted only one little thing he wanted to see Elio Anavi. Not so good. Not so hard. He was a chassid. He did what he had to. He did when he had to do it. He acted the way he was supposed to. He wanted to see Elio Anavi. And he approached the Baal Shem Tov. He approached the Baal Shem Tov and 
he told this to the Bashemtiv. The Bashemtiv thought for a moment, deep meditation. Probably stroked his beard too. And he told the Chassid, We're but a few short days before Passover. You want to see Eliyahu Navi? Go quickly prepare your Passover. Make sure everything that's needed for Passover, every crumb, no crumbs, sorry, every last detail, every potatoes peeled, the water prepared, and all the other things that Chassidim do to prepare Passover, with all the stringencies possible. Make sure your matzahs are baked, your wine is squeezed, Pack yourself up. And about an hour or two journey from here, in the forest, lives a man with his wife and his children. Go there. I want you to spend the first two days of Passover with them. And Alayo Anavi will be revealed. A dream come true. And the Bashemta is giving him such easy, simple instructions. And so, the man goes out, prepares everything beautifully to the fullest extent with all the Hidurim, with all the restrictions. And he fills his wagon, he lines the wagon with aluminum foil a few times. And a few hours, short hours before Passover, he embarks on his journey. And only two or three hours before the holiday, he arrives at this dilapidated hut in the middle of the forest. GPS got him there quick. And he knocks on the door and the woman comes to the door and he says, Shalom Aleichem. I would like to join you for the first two days of Pesach. The woman was mortified. A guest, here they are, and they're crying. What are they going to do for a seder? What are they going to do for matzah, for wine? How are they going to make the Passover? And this man wants to be our guest as well. He says, no, 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 don't worry. I have a full wagon of everything we need for the seder. We lack nothing here. Not for me, not for you, not for your husband, not for your children. Everyone will eat and drink. I just want to join your Seder. (laughs) How much happier was this woman? They took the man inside, they greeted him to their most comfortable pile of straw. And they went out and they brought everything in from the wagon. 
And what a beautiful Seder it was indeed. The singing, the explanations of every line of the Holy Agada. The drinking of the four cups, nobody lacked any wine. The eating of the matzahs kazesim, the described amounts, everything was to the fullest amount. It was amazing, it was beautiful, it was magnificent. The spirits were so high, they danced together even after the Seder. How much more could you ask? And the Chassid felt the camaraderie and the love in the family. But throughout the Seder, he looked over his shoulder, to his right, to his left, up, down, just perhaps, Eliyahu will come in one of his disguises, a beggar man, a, a servant man, a water carrier, even a guy, Yomara tells us that he came even sometimes as a non-Jew, as a Gentile. Eliyahu is definitely going to appear, the Rebbe told him so. Much to his chagrin, First say they finished. And no revelation. And so the second the second the day and the second Seder, as soon as the second day of Yamtif was over, although he enjoyed these magnificent Sadaram, his wish was not fulfilled. Eliyahu was nowhere to be found. He was MIA. How devastated was this chassid that although people don't travel at night in those days, especially not in the forest, he could not take another moment. He had to go see the Moshev immediately to find out what did he do wrong? Why was he deprived? And a short while later, he's standing in front of the Moshev HaKadosh. The Moshev is smiling at him as he listens to the man bemoan and cry how he didn't see Eliyahu Anavi. Hashem Tov says to him, You know what? Go back. It's late at night. Go back to that house. Stand outside and listen. Definitely going to have Eliyahu is going to come visit them now. I'll go see them. And he rides back at the house and he hears the wife and the husband talking. And the husband is saying, No, my dear wife, how honored were we. A chassid of the Balshem HaKadosh, a holy chassid of the holy Balshem, joined us for our Seder. How magnificent! How beautiful! How glorious. What an honor we had. And he hears the rebuttal of the wife. Ay, my husband, my husband. How naive can you be? A chassid of the Bashemta, really? A Talmud of the Bashemta is going to take himself away? from being by the Bashem HaKadosh, being with his own family. 
We were, I was sitting here crying in my kitchen, knowing that Pesach is about to begin, and we had nothing. Hashem listened to my prayers. Hashem listened to the tears of a Jewish mama who was sitting and crying, not about myself, but rather crying about my children. Crying how my children will be deprived of a Seder Pesach. And Hashem answered and sent us Eliyahu Anavi. And Eliyahu Anavi came and joined us for our Seder. Imagine, my friends, the shock of this Chassid. Hearing the words of this simple, holy Yidina, understanding how sometimes, shh, sometimes, just sometimes, we need to be our own Eliyahu Anavi. And so too, when it comes to the battle against Amalek, each and every one of us have that inner struggle, that inner battle with our personal Amalek that we need to overcome, that we need to conquer. And as we look and we see a very interesting concept, it's a Gemara if you're keeping score at home, it's like the Saita. Lamed Zayin, number Aleph, 37, side 1. And the Holy Gemara tells us, as the Jews arrived at the Reed Sea, at the Yamsuf, Kofatz, Nachshem ben Aminodav, Yom Tchila. Nachshem ben Aminodav jumped and went into the Yam first. One of the greatest miracles that happened to the Jewish nation after leaving Mitzrayim, was the splitting of the Reed Sea. And Chazal tell us, as we spoke now, this plain the Gemara we just mentioned, in Seitel Amitzayin Amitalef. This miracle occurred in the merit of Nachshem ben Aminadav. When he saw the hesitation of the nation, he saw the hesitation as they faced God forbid being captured and between the Egyptians and between the water his abnegation came first and he jumped into the water and those that followed suit but as people followed suit and followed and learned the lesson of Nachshim and Aminodav the Yamsuf then splits. It's not so simple. It's not so clear-cut. It's not so understandable, the actions of Nachshman and another. According to actual halacha, there's actually a shayla here. This was before Matan Teda, before receiving the Teda, before the Jews received the Teda and were given the commandment 
to sacrifice themselves for God. Aside from that, Nachshon was going against everyone. So we know there were four different groups. One wanted to go back to Egypt, one wanted to go to battle, one wanted to pray. How did Nachshon get a heter? Where does he derive this permission to jump in and to go do self-sacrifice when this is not even is an unheard of thing? to rely on a miracle. But the greatness of Nakshin was the fact he didn't think about Messias Nefesh. And not like the different part, uh, different um, opinions that were going on between the Jews. The lesson of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is when he took us out of Egypt, he took us to go to the mountain to get his tailor to serve him. From this, Nachshon understood that the reason that we were in Mitzrayim was to prepare ourselves for this. Just that we should do the Ratzon of Hashem. We know the famous story of the big party that was thrown in a rich man's house. And the rich man had a beautiful daughter. And he invited a mountain of eligible bachelors. Amongst them were proper suitors, and amongst them were also not such proper suitors. One such not proper suitor was a man of his late 30s, early 40s. The girl was 18 years of age. But he heard this is a bachelor competition. And they came into the party, and there was a beautiful backyard and a gorgeous swimming pool. One minor problem. The pool was full of sharks. As the party progressed, the rich man proposed a challenge. Any man that's brave enough to swim across my pool and survives getting out the other end will have my daughter's hand in marriage. There wasn't enough liquor to (laughs) irrationalize people's brains to go do that. And suddenly, as the man finishes the sentence, he hears splash, and our 40-year-old bachelor is in the pool and swimming for his dear life. And the sharks are chasing him, and he's darting and darting, and he's swimming. And lo and behold, he jumps out the other end and survives. The round of applause was amazing. Someone comes over to him afterwards and says, Mr., are you Meshige? And he's barely catching his breath. He says, where's that fool that pushed me into the water? Anyway, Nakshim and another was not pushed into the water. Nakshim teaches us a lesson for each and every Jew. We need to think that there's one mission and one mission only that's fulfilling God's wants, fulfilling God's commands. We don't have to think of all the difficulties, not even the mysterious Nefesh. We have to do what we need to do and if it does come to Mesir's Nefesh, we need to apply that as well. And this special message is that of our Rebbe, to bring the Gula. And therefore we turn to each and every Jew with our love and the special attachment to bring ourselves closer to Teda, closer to the Gula. And as we fulfill the Shlichas that we learned from Nakshman Aminadav, to split the sea, to overcome any kind of trials, tribulations, any difficulties. 
And may the Almighty bless us that we talk go with this schus of Yudshvat. We have once again this Kalos of the Red Melech HaMashiach. And we go out of this Golos and we spend this Shabbos, we sing the Shira in Yerushalayim, Yerakodesh. And we ask each and every one of you that listen, all my listeners, please take on a resolution. One simple mitzvah that you will do henceforth, starting from this day, in honor of either my birthday, Teshvat, or even greater, the honor of Yudshvat. And thereby be blessed with Bonai, Chaye, Mezeyne Ravicha, Bekul Ravicha, only Nachas, peace, tranquility, happiness and joy, longevity and riches. Shabbat Shalom to all.